Good evening and welcome back to another episode of the Shula Bowl podcast brought to you by Five Reason Sports. As always, you can find us on Twitter at Shula Bowl Pod and you can find us on Twitter at Five Reason Sports. On this pod, you got myself, Eric Henry, FAU B-Rider for SP Nation and Jake Elman, FAU B-Rider for the Palm Beach Post. And uh, really quick, Jake, before I uh, before we launch into the podcast... And for those of you listening, what this is going to be is just a catch-up podcast. We just want to catch up on kind of some of the odds and ends that have happened throughout the offseason. You know, both Jake and I are really pining away for the season to start. I know, I know both of us are really excited about this. But uh, before I toss it to Jake, I just want to kind of go over something really quick. And, um, you know, I didn't clear it with Jake ahead of time, so I apologize on, on the front end. But um, those of you who follow Jake on Twitter may know that um, – his FAU coverage uh, is going through a bit of kind of a, you know, a reconfiguration, you know, Jake will still be bringing you same, you know, hard earned, uh, hardworking FAU coverage, but you know, just some things will be changing a little bit. And um, I I promise I'm not going to go into 10 minutes uh, of a diatribe in terms of the state of the journalism business. You know, I, uh, I'll spare our listeners that, but I just want to say something really quick for those of you who do take the time to listen. um, And those of you who take time to follow us just, uh, you know, I hope you guys really understand that, for, for both of us, I mean, yes, we do get a paycheck and it's our jobs and it's our passion and, you know, that helps. But um, for us guys, you know, this also is uh, we enjoy bringing you guys coverage. Um, you know, those of you who, who may, may know or should know is that Jake is an FAU alum. So obviously it's it's uh, it's very much personal for him. Um, and not to say it's not personal for me because I'm not an FIU alum, but, you know, I'll give you guys an example. I don't really have to be on Twitter. Um, I mean, outside of the fact it's a great medium to share articles, it's not really pertinent per se. I could easily just, you know, give my coverage uh, on SB Nation and go from there. But uh, it's it's a passion because I like interacting with you guys and I like knowing, you know, what fans want to know. You know, part of the reason we get into this is because we enjoy providing coverage and, and it's really a passion. You know, we do this because we love it um, and, uh, and we enjoy giving feedback, to, you know, as guys who came from group of five schools, you know, I know what it's like when I went to UCF, when, you know, before this three-year stretch, you, uh, as a fan or as a student, you'd be in the off season and, you know, you wouldn't find any coverage of your team. You know, it would be all Florida, Florida state, Miami. And, you know, we know how that feels. So I think what I'm kind of getting at here is I, I hope, and I, I think I can speak for Jake here when I say that both of us cover these programs the way that we would want, you know, our programs. And in Jake's case, it is his program, you know, to be covered. So I hope you guys really appreciate that. And um, yeah, you know, nothing's going to change. We're going to bring you the same uh, coverage, this different mediums, and this podcast will be a huge platform for that. So uh, Jake, I apologize for, uh, you know, doing that on you, uh, on, on, um, uh, without notice ahead of time, but it's something I want to get off my chest. So uh, how you doing tonight, buddy? I'm good. No, I agree with you 100%. I think it, this is one of the best parts of the podcast is, well, number one, it's something that it's an outlet for us to talk about things that maybe don't make it into our articles or that we want to expand more on than we can in 280 characters, 140 characters or a lengthy Twitter thread. I and I'm biased because I went to FAU. I am passionate about FAU and I will always love FAU. And I've been very lucky that I've gone to cover FAU for this my fourth season. So. And this all goes back to, and I'm not going to get too deep into this, but you said it best. I have tried to cover FAU, and I will continue to cover FAU the way that I feel 
a school should be covered, which is it's not just X's and O's. It's not just gamers and breaking news. And, you know, I'm glad that I've been able to do that at the Post. And the Post has encouraged me and helped me with that. And you've done the same thing with FIU. So, like, take this episode, this catch-up episode. I could do an article, you know, as a catch-up. You could do an FIU catch-up article, but we get to come together. We get to share our thoughts. We get to make a couple bad joke or two, and then we post the podcast. What could go wrong? Exactly. You know, this is a medium that allows us more than, you know, a couple hundred words to kind of, you know, get some thoughts off our chest. So uh, just kind of wanted to start with that. And um, and uh, once again, for everyone who's listening and rejoining us, thank you for joining us. Uh, first topic that we'll kind of broach here is the transfer portal. You know, uh, transfer portal has been a big topic of conversation among, I know for Butch Davis at his national signing day, he went over it, you know, really extensively as far as uh, his thoughts and also wrote an article on that. And I know it's been a big, uh, a big deal for FAU. So uh, um, Jake, you want me to start off first with FIU and you can uh, lead into it from there? Yeah, sure. All right. So when talking about the transfer portal, I mean, obviously for those of you guys listening, you know, whether it be, uh, a Farrell McKeever during uh, uh, his first year, former FIU tight end, former quarterback James Morgan, or we can even go to the, you know, the litany of guys this year, where whether it's been, you know, Alexi Jean-Baptiste, Chris Whitaker, Malik Williams. And I apologize. I said this year, I meant the previous year, last season. I'm still got to put 2019 behind us. But, you know, guys like that, uh, Josh Turner, et cetera, you know, um, Tyson Maeva, um, who will be eligible this year. J- Jeremiah Holeman, receiver from University of Georgia, who will be eligible this year. The transfer portal has been a big factor for FAU, or excuse me, for FIU. Um, sorry there, Panther fans. But one of the things I think it's key to note is Coach Davis, and if you didn't get a chance to catch my article, I'll kind of give you a quick synopsis here. Uh, Coach Davis has really noted that he's not a fan of the transfer portal, just more or less because he believes it's a microcosm of life. Uh, and I think it's actually ironic that he makes that point, and we're coming off a day in which Former Colorado head coach Mel Tucker appears to have agreed to take the job at Michigan State, which goes to show you that, you know, while that's fair, there isn't a quote unquote a transfer portal for, for life. Um, you know, coaches can come and go. And uh, I'm not, you know, by any means critiquing Coach Davis's statement. I don't think that, you know, he's necessarily in that position. I just think that it's an in the era of college football that we're in. It's just a factor that you have to deal with. It's something that, you know, like Coach Davis said. You know, we've benefited from the transfer portal, so he wasn't going to be hypocritical, hypocritical about it to the point where it's now part of their recruiting philosophy, where they're going to keep two or three available every year for that express purpose. But I just think that, you know, um, those are his thoughts, and I can't, you know, have any reason to push back on them otherwise. I think it's, a, it's something that coaches are learning kind of how they're going to go about handling each season and to kind of spin it forward for FIU. Like I said, they do have those two scholarships available, and I would expect just my gut tells me that they're going to explore the defensive line, you know, defensive tackle is a spot that may be a little bit lacking. Um, not to say the guys on, on roster aren't capable, but you probably want a little more depth there. And also the quarterback position. You don't know um, what there are a lot of quarterbacks in the transfer portal left. And maybe there might be an opportunity for a veteran, you know, if the system fits with Rich Skrosky to uh, bring in some, just some veteran competition, you know, maybe like a case like UCF or Brandon Wimbush came in, and he ended up not being the starter, but he provided a veteran room and a, and a, a veteran voice in a room that was very young otherwise. So I think those are two things that are an FIU fan to keep an eye on. So, uh, Jake, have at it for the Owls. Yeah, so, I mean, this is the reality of college football now, and I'm not anti-transfer portal. I don't know if I would say I'm pro-transfer portal. It's just one of those things that 
kind of like TV deals, kind of like kickoff times. You just accept it as reality. So, look, FAU has benefited from the transfer portal the past. I mean, the transfer portal has only been a thing since, what, like October 2018, September 2018? The actual portal is still yes. fairly recent. But yes, yes, I mean, I mean, Chris Robinson, John Franklin III, Jeremiah Teleni, um, D'Angelo Antoine, FAU has benefited from transfers, Javon Durant. And they've lost some noteworthy guys to transfer. Daniel Parr, DeAndre Johnson. They lost DeAndre McNeil, and then he came back. There's a chance that they're going to lose Nico Dotson, who is still in the portal, Willie Taggart said, but he's also still listed online on FAU's website. So we will see what happens with that. So it's a part of college football. FAU has – I mean, Dotson's really been the biggest – Lost through the portal. Nothing against Trent Wessel, who was third string quarterback for most of last year. He's in the portal, and I'm forgetting somebody else who's in the portal. Wessel's in the portal, and Eric, who am I forgetting? Uh, I I'm thinking off the top of my head. I, I I'm having a blank as well. Yeah, Wessel. Okay, so I, I, it'll come back to me. But the point is, like, that's the thing with the portal is like so many guys are jumping in that you kind of just forget about it, like. It all adds up. So with the transfer portal, I don't really know what FAU needs to add right now. And I look, I mean, I know what they need to find. I don't know what they need to add. They need to find cornerback depth. They need to find another young receiver who can contribute next year. Because even though they brought in Aaron Young and they're going to bring in TJ Chase at receiver, great. But those guys are grad transfers. They're only here one year. You need to develop some guys. And Ian Cole, who I thought last year could have definitely contributed or competed for a starting spot. By the way, the other guy, no, no, it's only two. It was, oh, the, no, I know who I was thinking of. Jonathan Sullivan, the long snapper. He's only in, right. in the transfer portal because the NCAA said you don't have any more years left at the D1 level. So his was involuntary. Like, this is the thing with the portal. Like I said, so many guys go in every day. That it's like you have to stop and think who is in the portal, who is in the portal. Eric, when you were naming everybody that has gone in the portal or that FAU, FIU has added, don't you have to take a second and you're like, wait, what? <laughs> uh, yeah, and also the, you got to go back and take a second how many how many guys they've added and also, you know, how many guys have chosen to leave. Um, which, you know, that's another topic for another podcast as far as how many guys are leaving and not necessarily ending up with new homes. Yeah. And I'm just going to keep saying it. It's the way that college football has become. It's like 50 years ago, same way with baseball when free agency happened. Same way 30 years ago when Reggie White revolutionized NFL free agency. Now we're seeing Derek King. Did something last year that I think we're going to see more of, which is that four-game redshirt and then transferred to another program. Kelly Bryant did it too. We're, you saw a lot of it last year. A couple other guys in Houston, a couple other guys in the Power Five. I think there were a couple guys in Alabama. So it's like that really hard group chat. Transfer portal giveth, transfer portal taketh away. So with Absolutely. FAU so – We'll see what happens after spring camp because, like I said, you need to add another receiver. You need to find another receiver. You need to find contributors at cornerback. 
But do you need to go out and add somebody? And also, what are you going to lose? They have a crowded running back room. I'm not saying any of those guys are transferring. I'm not speculating. But I don't think anybody thought that Miko Dotson was going to transfer after this season. Miko Dotson explicitly said, I, when I asked him straight up, you know, are you, do you plan on coming back next year? He said that the NCAA grants me a sixth year because he hit redshirted Georgia Tech and then he had an injury two years ago. I plan on being back. So everything's in flux. Yeah, you know, it's, I'm really glad you made that, that final point because I think it's important for fans to know that just because, you know, signing day happens doesn't mean that the transfer portal itself or even, you know, um, late additions. You can look at last year preferred walk-ons like Jackson McDonald and guys like those who made the team, those things aren't going to stop, you know, because you got to go through spring ball. And if a guy loses a battle, whether it's a quarterback or a running back or wherever, he's going to go on the portal. I mean, that's just showing over the past two years now. So uh, yeah, this, you know, the transfer portal itself isn't going anywhere. And as far as this year and, you know, maybe additions that maybe come on both, uh, both ends for both teams aren't going anywhere as well, but we're going to transition to the next topic. And from that, I think both of us find really interesting, Especially, you know, if you're an FAU fan with the entire staff being overhauled, but with FIE some coaching changes as well. Just early impressions on the coaching staff and the hires. And, you know, I mean, obviously it, it's a little too early to judge these guys. I mean, you know, they haven't even, right. they haven't even been a practice yet. But just, you know, kind of, you know, gut reactions. You know, Jake, I'll let you take away for FAU because you have much more to cover as far as really, you know, an entire coaching staff. Well, officially, we're not supposed to talk to coaches. So I can't have any official impressions. Unofficially, I don't know. I mean, I thought that Willie Taggart had some good hires on paper. I like bringing Levitt in as defensive coordinator and Chris Vanini, the athletic, who's wonderful. I, he is one of the most important players at the G5 level because of his coverage in the national outlet. He listed Levitt today as maybe a possible candidate for the Colorado coaching job, which ties back to what you said about Mel Tucker. So, We'll see what happens with that. Everything I've heard is that Levitt really likes it here. He likes being in Florida. So if FAU loses there, I mean, FAU lost Chris Kiffin a couple weeks before spring camp two years ago. So this wouldn't be the first time where defensive coordinator has left on the eve of spring camp to take, I hate saying a better job, but, you know, Chris Kiffin went from defensive coordinator of FAU to pass rush specialist for the Niners and Levitt, We'll see what happens, but if Levitt were to go from Conference USA defensive coordinator to Colorado head coach, that is a better job. <laughs> but right, you know, and, and that's something that, you know, like you said, you hate phrasing it that way with the right. better job, but it just is what it is. Well, I think I think almost any time you're going from a coordinator job or a position coaching job to being a head coach, it is a better job. Now, there's the rare exception, but – Whatever. Like, I'm sure that there's some Power Five coordinators that might rather stay at their current program, which we've seen with Clemson, than say coach a school in the Sun Belt or the American or at the FCS level. So it's all dependent on every situation. And and you know, kind of piggyback off of that point, you know, this I and I'll. I'll use your quote unquote, you know, better job analogy uh, with Alan Mogridge, who left FIU, former offensive line coach, former assistant head coach, left to go to USF. Still don't have the specific details on that. That was something that, you know, Bush Davis didn't necessarily get into on, on National Signing Day. But, and, and you know, um, both FIU and USF are public schools. So the details of Alan's contract will come out. 
I don't know if Allen has gotten a raise yet. To be completely transparent with you guys, I have put in um, a public records request, uh, so it hasn't come back yet. However, you know, you don't know if that was a monetary thing. You don't know if Coach Davis decided to go another direction. I think that's a little hard to believe just because you know the relationship that Allen Mogert and Butch Davis have. Um, Allen was on Bush Davis's staff at North Carolina, you know, so they go back a long time. But uh, when you talk about, you know, that it may be a scenario when you talk about the football leaving for a better job in the sense that the American is much more of a high profile league than Conference USA. But, right. and, you know, I want to start with a guy who you know very well in special teams coach, DJ McCarthy, who replaces James Milano at teams coach position. This isn't, you know, a quote unquote, a slight on Coach Milano. Uh, I'm just matching up resume for resume. And you right. have to see an upgrade. You know, uh, DJ McCarthy, someone who coached at big schools such as LSU, UCLA, also spent time at UCF, has been at various schools in the state, whether it's FAMU, Thune Cookman, FAU, now FIU. So he spent time coaching for rivals. He spent time coaching in the NFL to Oakland Raiders as well. So, you know, DJ McCarthy brings a very impressive resume. And he's a guy who, when I had a chance to talk to him, I didn't even know that uh, throughout all of his stops, he spent time at special teams, not just previous stop at FAU. So you have to look at that, you know, once again, this isn't a slide on Coach Milano, but when you go resume for resume, you have to look at that as an upgrade. You know, Jake, really quick, before I transition to uh, uh, Coach Rodriguez at the offensive line, just your quick thoughts on uh, on DJ as obviously you spent time with him. And, and when I had a chance to talk to him, I mentioned Jake Elman. He said, yeah, that's my man. So uh, clearly there's a, there's a friendship structure with you guys. Yeah, DJ was great. The players loved him. You know, I would see DJ a lot when I was leaving campus. He'd always ask me how I was doing, which – you know, and I don't want to make this about myself. I don't think people realize, and like with some of these schools that don't get the coverage that an Alabama or a Clemson gets, people appreciate when you give them fair and balanced coverage. And I didn't realize that until recently when coaches are leaving and I'll send them a note like, hey, good luck. And they're like, hey, we appreciate everything that you did for covering us fairly. And it's like, it's cool to hear just because, and I've said it before, there's four or five of us in the media room at FAU. Eric, it's usually just you, right? And the Ricketts? Um, it's usually just myself, Walter Villa uh, from the Miami Herald. And then yep. it might be, you know, it, it might be uh, a David Drucker from FIU News. It might be uh, AJ Ricketts. Um, and that's about it. Or maybe a Dalton um, from uh, Panther Now, and that's about it. Yeah, but there are there are not ten people there every day. Butcher, Lane, or Tagger talks. Correct. I can tell you right now. You know, primarily you'll either get me or Walter, me and Walter, and some days it's just me, or some days it's just Walter. It depends on the occasion. You're correct. Right. So, so that's two or three people with a Division One football program at an FBS program, and. I wish that these schools got more coverage. People don't understand sometimes. We, most people, there's the odd few, most people don't hate their competition. We work together. And the end game is, at least my end game has always been, I want these schools that I'm invested in. I'm, if you, when I got to FAU and I saw my first Shula Bowl, if you told me, Four years after that, I'd be invested in FIU's success and progress. I would have called you a liar. But now I'm invested in these schools. I want these schools to 
have more attention and have more of a spotlight and have people caring about them. And that's something I love about this podcast is it's another resource. People that maybe don't want to subscribe to a newspaper, don't want to subscribe to a website with a paywall. They can listen to a podcast. People that like listening to audio when they drive. I mean, you're listening to my monotone, so thank you, but I'm happy. And to go back to DJ, he was one of those guys that made it clear just how how much he appreciated that I covered FAU fairly. And I think for older people, it might not be a big deal. For people who cover a Major League Baseball team or an SEC team or work the tennis or golf beat, it's a lot different, but... There are so few of us, and they know this. You know what? I think that's a really great point. I'm not going to you know, belabor it because um, we'll have to get into a couple other things before we shut down this podcast. But uh, it's feedback that I've gotten as well. This isn't, you know, hey, let's pat ourselves in the back or anything like that. But you, you make a great point that this is a Division One program, but it's far from the Alabamas and LSUs and Oklahomas of the world. So, you know, the coaches do notice and players as well do notice when. Uh, you come in and do a fair job. So uh, it's interesting that DJ's told you that, and uh, obviously that's the relationship with Struck. But uh, I mentioned his credentials in relation to James Villano, and then I mentioned Alan Mogridge. Well, then the other coaching change for FIU is Joel Rodriguez is coming over from University of Miami, where he was an offensive analyst. And that one is going to be very interesting. You know, Joel Rodriguez, I had a chance to talk with him. Uh, I had a chance to talk with all the coaches on National Signing Day, but I had a chance to talk with him, I'd say the most extensively for about 10 minutes. And you could tell the enthusiasm in his voice. It was an opportunity that he said, quite frankly, wasn't one that I expected to come up. But I'm sure as hell happy that it did. Uh, When you talk about, quote unquote, just line for line, resume for resume, you would have to say that Alan Mogridge is the more veteran experienced coach. Now, that's not to say that Joel Rodriguez does not have experience coaching offensive line. I think that's something that misreported or mis. Uh, thought early on because he was with Miami for the past five years as an offensive analyst. He did spend time at Bryant University as the offensive line coach there, which is an FCS team. And obviously, he played for the University of Miami as an offensive lineman, played four years, made a couple all academic teams, things of that nature. What's going to be interesting is Alan Mogridge was, you know, a well respected, well liked guy, um, well regarded as one of the better offensive line coaches really in, in all of the nation, all of FBS football the guy who you think is going to be on the fast track to be a head coach at some point, uh, whether that's FBS or FCS, time will tell. But I, I think just, you know, first impression, I think FIU fans will have a reason to like Joel Rodriguez. When I asked him how his style may differ in relation to Alan Mogridge, he did say that, you know, hey, uh, all offensive line coaches, you know, I think we're fiery by nature and expect that from me. You know, don't expect me to be any different, you know, and, and uh, he is, you know, very – um, matter of fact guy, and I don't mean that in a negative way. He's just, you know, to the point and uh, does have that similarity to Alan Mogridge as well. Maybe won't be, you know, as raw, raw. You know, he might not get, you know, the, the um, he might not be as quotable as Alan Mogridge per se, per se. But I think, you know, the offensive line is, is in good hands. I don't think that Coach Davis, you know, make a hire that he didn't trust. Now, for the record, he was not the first choice. There was a more veteran choice who took the offensive line coach uh, position at, at Auburn, excuse me. So once again, you're kind of looking at a similar situation to last year where Jeff Kopp gets the defensive coordinator spot because uh, Everett Withers, who was a former Texas State head coach, had agreed in principle to take the defensive coordinator spot. And at the last minute, the New York Giants came in and swooped him up. So, you know, you take that into consideration. But I think the offensive line is a good hand. He did say he's had a chance to meet with all the offensive linemen one by one, you know, and the big thing for him that he's talking about is just technique. His technique is very different from the way Alan Mogridge teaches things. 
Um, I don't want to get too nuanced into scheme. We know that Shane Marinelli, you know, our uh, Chulabow pod co-host co and brethren, brother also wants to get into um, some scheme things as far as FAU and Jim Levin, the three, four, and I'll save that for that podcast. But just to kind of, you know, put a little, a little uh, insight into it. Alan Mogridge does teach things that is a very unique way. I would recommend if you're looking to learn more about the way FIU was coaching offensive line, I would follow Steve Siyoshi, uh, the former FIU GA from last, uh, last year being 2018, 2017, 2018. I'd follow him on Twitter because he actually posts videos and goes in detail. He's actually, ironically enough, current Bryant offensive line, offensive, uh, offensive line coach which is where Joel Rodriguez got his first start as an offensive line coach. Um, but I'd follow him on Twitter. If you want the nuances of how they were teaching offensive line play before, I would follow him on Twitter, and you can probably get the answers before we take the next podcast. But uh, that's also a change as well. And then also they went um, uh, a change in with uh, Andrew Swayze as far as the strength and conditioning coaches replacing you know, a guy in Chad Smith who was well-respected. So time will tell to see how th those changes play out. Uh, Andrew Swayze comes from uh, – had been – at FIU for a while, but, you know, made his own University of Miami going back to, you know, the 2000, 2001, 2002, 2003 Miami Hurricanes. And, uh, you know, those teams pretty much speak for themselves as far as um, guys in the NFL. So that pretty much speaks for itself there. And then, you know, the last thing we're going to kind of get into, this was just a quick recap pod that you want to get into here. NFL Combine preview. There are some owls and panthers who will be making their way to Indianapolis. Uh, Jake, correct me if I'm wrong. It is Harrison Bryant and who else? James Pierre and James Pierre. Okay. I had forgotten the other name. Yes. Harrison Bryant, James Pierre will be heading to Indianapolis and for the, your, uh, or I shouldn't say for your FIU Panthers, for the FIU Panthers, my apologize, Owl fans for listening. Um, you can, you know, send your hate to my way there. I know some, uh, some FAU fans took issue with my, uh, my, uh, premature crowning, uh, even though I did put a couple qualifiers in as far as, uh, FIU having the best signing day in conference, I did say it was tentative, but nevertheless, you can send those hate my way. Um, the FIU Panthers that will be heading to Indianapolis will be quarterback James Morgan and cornerback Stanley Thomas Oliver III. Uh, I'll go and start here with FIU. You know, James is a guy who it's really interesting when you look at Conference USA. The, the choice was a little bit controversial in the sense that you look at Mason Fine, who's been, you know, the gold standard of Conference USA quarterbacks over the past four years. But if we're just going to look at it and be honest, when you project to the next level, James has everything you're looking for in a quarterback. You know, six foot four, six foot five, 225 pounds, can sling the ball a mile, has a strong arm. You know, he's a guy who's going to interview very well and does and says all the right things. Mason Fine, obviously, is a much smaller quarterback and uh, doesn't necessarily have those physical traits. And just to be quite blunt, uh, both he and James went to, he being Mason Fine, and James went to the East West Shrine game and the East West Shrine practices and James just outshone Mason Fine. And, uh, and, and I, I, I don't want to sound as if I'm denigrating Mason Fine. I got a lot of respect for that guy, you know, hell of a player over the past words of conference USA. But when you're projecting at the next level, it's not about what you did in college. It's about how you're going to project. And then it's a quick note on Stanley. I mean, I can't say enough about that guy as an athlete. You know, you talk about someone who made all conference freshman team as a receiver. Then Butch Davis gets there, sits him because he decides that, you know, Hey, I think you're, going to project really well as a cornerback and then makes all conference as a cornerback all conference second team but just a hell of an athlete you know for him to make that transition i think he projects well to the next level very raw because he's only played cornerback for two years a uh, slight guy uh, 180 pounds but just having that type of um, range and long arms athleticism 
I think the sky is the limit for Stanley. I don't necessarily know that, uh, you know, I don't want to get too much into his NFL projection per se. We can do that come draft time. But I just think that he's a guy who NFL scouts would look at him and say, hey, there clearly is, a, you know, somewhat of a diamond in the rough here in Stanley Thomas Oliver. Did you know that North Texas has had an NFL player draft since 2004? I was just thinking of that fact when you talked about Mason Fine. Um, no, I didn't know that. I mean, I know that their most famous alumni is uh, Mean Joe Green, who played for the Pittsburgh right. Steelers, and, and, and right. that he was outside of him, outside of Apogee Stadium. But no, I didn't know that. What were you doing in 2004? 2004, I was in eighth grade. Yeah, I'm class of 09. So I was in, I was in eighth grade, um, probably still listening to 50 uh, game. Wait, 2004. Yeah, the documentary just dropped. So I was banging the hell out of that album. Uh, and, uh, and, and I'll probably post something on Twitter about how giant my clothes were. Uh, Jake, could oh, you tell of course, about of course they were. Of course they were. That was the time, the baggy clothes time. Yeah, 2004. Where were you? Um, uh, still in elementary school, correct? Yeah, yeah. You can't see the gesture I'm making at the computer after you said <laughs> that, but yeah, um, yeah. I was in second grade, and I had a Japanese copy of Pokemon because it hadn't come out in North America yet. And I wanted to play Pokemon, and there was a girl who her parents were from Japan. She was like a first generation American, and this is gonna sound so wrong. But I would just I would say to her like every five seconds in class, can you translate this for me? Can you tell me what this means? Where am I supposed to go? What attack is this? And now 16 years later, I have no idea what she's up to, and I'm sitting outside in Florida. I'm gonna try to and we're talking college football. I'm gonna try to save Jake from himself here because we we get a pretty dicey territory or what can be misinterpreted here. No, it's Um, no, it's dicey, but I was seven years I was six to seven years old. You don't know better at that time. Jake, Jake, uh, as you see, <laughs> there, 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 there will be NFL draft prospects who will have tweets dug up in the time they're 10 years old. So, uh, and that'll happen in a couple months. So, clearly, you know, know. nothing yeah. is off. Right. off. No, 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 you're, you're right. You're right. And going, going back to the NFL draft, so yeah, FAU is sending Harrison Bryant. I think we all knew that was going to happen. He did great at the Senior Bowl, won the Mackey last year. I think at this point I would be surprised unless he has a terrible combine and a terrible pro, pro day, which I don't think will happen. I would be surprised if he was still on the board on the third day of the draft when they start round four. And I wasn't surprised that James Pierre was invited. I was more surprised that – Rashad Smith didn't get an invite, and I understand it because you only have so many spots for each position. Pierre, I've said it, and Shane said it even longer. He's got that NFL length. He's six foot two. That's what you want from your cornerbacks. I thought he had a, a good senior year, or sorry, a good junior year. He ended it with a great Boca Bowl. He, you know, he, there were a couple bad plays here and there. He had the DPI against UCF. Um, it was DPI and, uh, and he got flagged for uh, unsportsmanlike conduct. He got burned a couple times against Western Kentucky when Lucky Jackson went off. Although Lucky Jackson killed everybody he faced this year. So with Pierre Bleacher Report has him going in the sixth round to Carolina. I saw another draft where it was like the sixth round to I think Tampa Bay, another one of those NFC teams. He's somebody. Look, 
you have a great combine, you have a good pro day, you wow in your interviews, and you have that length. I don't know if he sneaks into day two. He could sneak into early day three. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, I agree with you. I think I'm much higher on Harrison Bryant than apparently a lot of the draft prognosticators are. Listen, I, I've watched Harrison Bryant. I didn't know a damn thing about him prior to last year. Um, and, and I'm being a hyperbolic. I mean, I knew about him, but not at, as extensive as I did when I started covering Conference USA. Um, I think he's a hell of a player. I know the rap on him from some teams or, or not, it's not from some teams. I'm sorry. I don't want to. That's not inside info. Um, just from certain reviews is that he's not, you know, big or physical enough or that he, you know, he's not a bit of a blocker. Listen, I think in today's NFL, he is a great uh, receiving tight end and will make a great target. Um, I, I've watched him carve up FIU for the past two years. I've watched him carve up all of Conference USA. So I'm huge on Harrison Bryant. Um, as far as, you know, the FIU kids, uh, like I said, Stanley, I think is a diamond in the rough. And I'm, you know, really high on James. And I'll admit my own um, bias there is obviously, you know, those who are people who uh, followed my coverage over the past two years know that, you know, James and I have a pretty good relationship. I've, you know, talked to his parents and things of that nature. So maybe that plays a part. But I just think in terms of, when you look at in terms of a uh, physical specimen, James is slinging a long way and he, you know, he's going to interview well. And I think if he gets in the right situation um, and we'll see how he does it pro day and then the, the combine is the reason I think he won't do well there, that maybe he can rise up the charts. I, I don't want to get too drastic and too carried away. Right. He'll be, you know, a third or fourth round pick or anything like that. But it wouldn't shock me. Alex Magoo was a seventh round pick. It would not shock me if he beats Alex Magoo or I should say best of that and is the uh, highest drafted quarterback in FIU history. So uh, I would not be shocked there. And uh, last thing, pub subs on sale. All pub subs on sale next week, five ninety nine. Yeah, I saw that. Where is Magoo now? Is he? Did I see he was with Jacksonville? Magoo has spent time back and forth between Houston and Jacksonville. He was uh, drafted by Seattle, then right. went from Seattle to Houston. He went Seattle to Jacksonville, then went from Jacksonville to Houston, and then Houston to Jacksonville, and then Jacksonville to Houston. Houston is just collecting Conference USA players. And there was a, no, the, I mean, the, the 49ers really are. 49ers have Aziz, Richie James. Um, they have somebody on the offensive line. Um, Nate Davis is at Tennessee. They have a couple. They have Greg Joseph. More and more Conference USA guys are getting to the NFL. That's good to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, as, you know, guys who cover Conference USA cover this league, um, I really think – I remember last year, and maybe I've kind of waffled on this a little bit, but I remember last year thinking that Conference USA was a little bit closer to the American in terms of talent. Now I think I've kind of backed off that a little bit. But I think this league overall is full of talented players. So it's nice to see guys, you know, make it to the league or at least getting a shot. I think that's key. But, um, you know, we're going to go ahead and wrap this one really quick. You know, Jake, any final thoughts here before we wrap it up? Yeah. Um, thank you for all the support. Um, you know, excited to keep – Bringing FAU content, have some ideas in mind already for stories this spring, have some ideas in mind for different things we can do. Obviously, we'll keep doing the podcast. And, you know, I've said it before, I'll say it again. I think now is a good time to be a fan of these two programs. I don't know. It is way too early to say that this coming season will be as magical for FAU as last year was. I also think it's too early to say that, this coming season is going to be as disappointing as last season was for FIU. So it's February 12th we're recording this. We have under seven months until the season starts. FAU's home opener against Stony Brook, I think, is seven months from today, September 12th. 
So keep the faith, keep listening, and uh, go and get some pub subs. You got to get the hot sauce on that. That's, and you got to have them toasted. Agreed. If you're going to get a pub sub and it's going to be a chicken tender sub, here's my recommendation. You get the buffalo sauce, but you also get the honey mustard. You know, it kind of creates a good little, you know, back and forth there as far as your flavor. But as we uh, go ahead and, uh, and close this one up, you know, we will uh, spare you uh, our food recommendations for another time. I mean, we could do food for another two hours. Um, once again, thank you for listening to this podcast. I want to echo what Jake said as far as coverage. You know, we're going to try to do this as best we can. And on the next few podcasts, expect we got a couple things in the pipeline. Uh, we have a Napoleon Maxwell interview from our FIU running back that we're working on. Um, we also have a, a special FIU podcast that we're thinking as far as uh, FIU students. We want to talk to current and former FIU students, preferably young alumni who can talk about, you know, kind of the fan enthusiasm or lack thereof as far as the sports culture on campus. Because I noticed a couple of things during National Signing Day, which shocked the hell out of me. Uh, I know Jake as well be trying to work on, you know, having a couple FAU related guests coming on the podcast coming up. And then also probably in the uh, the most immediate podcast after this one will be a scheme-related podcast, which will have Shane Marinelli and hopefully David Hondell back on. And we will talk about, you know, kind of scheme. Uh, those guys will be able to jump in and give their thoughts as far as the offseason as well. And, uh, you know, we'll kind of go a little more in-depth as far as what to expect with the coaching changes next year. As always, like I said, you can find this podcast at 5, the number 5, Reason Sports on Twitter. You can find the podcast as well at Pod on Twitter. Thank you for listening. This podcast is available on all various, uh, you know, podcast platforms, but specifically Podbean. Thank you for listening. Please, uh, feedback. We take all of it, good, bad, or otherwise. You know, we're trying to make this thing better every day. So DM us, leave it on Twitter, leave it on, you know, podcast platforms. Let us know what we can and can do better and, uh, you know, things that we are doing well. Let us know that as well. Thank you for listening. And, uh, hey, it's almost football season. It's another seven months away, but, you know, it's almost uh, spring is around the corner. So uh, before you know it, football season will be here. Thank you for listening, guys.